Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks, a space for you to come home to your inner wisdom, which I call your she. I'm Sarah Von Stover, and this is the third and final episode of part one of our seasonal series here, Bubble Bath Wisdom. Part two will resume just after the new year. For now, this has been a really nourishing way to let you all get a taste of the magic that we make together as a global sisterhood, while also offering some TLC as we move closer to the elections here in the US and the upcoming holiday season. My intention behind this series has been to offer you some sisterly support, emotionally and practically, in deepening your connection to yourself, on your cushion, on your yoga mat, and above all, in your everyday life. 
And today's talk is a fitting finale for the first part of our series because it's all about how to come home to ourselves. Even when what we find there feels more like a circus than a nourishing home. But before we dive in, I want to point out that the teachings that I've shared over the past week are exactly the kinds of topics that women get a huge amount of help with in my upcoming nine month spiritual practice community, the She School. Because we believe in the She School and making me time non negotiable. If you did that too in 2017, that would be pretty revolutionary, right? (laughs) And that's one of the best parts of my flagship program, the She School 2017, which is now open for early registration, but only for a few more days. And over this nine month journey, I'll show you how to weave many retreats with She Yoga and meditation right into your calendar. So you can make these timeouts for yourself and your spirit, just a regular part of your life. Now, while our journey doesn't officially start until February, when you sign up now, I have some gifts to support you through the end of the year, like a life design resource guide with the software I use to run my business, to write my books, the supplements that I take to keep my body healthy, as well as recommendations for yoga and meditation practices at home. You'll also get access to a live She School class to give you a taste of the program this weekend and to get the support of these teachings right away. Also a Visioning 2017 tele-retreat in December to start to look ahead to next year, and tons of other early registration goodies. You can learn more about all of this at theshe-school.com. Now, since registration closes really soon, don't wait too long before exploring this. And no pressure, I always want you to follow your own rhythms and do what feels in alignment for you. I just want to let you know that this year's circle is forming and registration is about to close. And now for today's talk, coming home to yourself. It sure sounds like a great idea, right? Because home feels sweet. And if that were true, you would feel strong and safe and you would feel like you could speak your truth in even the toughest situations, and you would never, ever doubt your value again. But what happens when you try to come home to yourself and it feels like someone left a big mess in there? Like you sit down on your meditation cushion and all that you notice is monkey mind, or you tune into your body and it's just not feeling well. Believe it or not, this happens to all of us, as we quiet down and unlock the door to our our inner house. And in fact, these obstacles are so common that the Buddha named and categorized them for us as the five hindrances. So today I'm going to share exactly how to work with these hindrances. I invite you to listen to today's bubble bath wisdom talk in order to make your inner home much, much sweeter. So light a candle, draw yourself a bath, and enjoy this little inner respite. Something that we start to realize as we come on retreat, we come to come home to ourselves, is all the ways that we actually don't feel comfortable coming home to ourselves. All all the things that are in our in the way of us doing that. 
So if we think about this metaphor of home, then the actual physical location of home is our body. And we can think of our body as our house. So I'm sure you have all had places where you've lived in your life where it didn't feel so good to go home. I know I've had those places. Maybe I didn't remember there was my dorm room my freshman year in college. It was a room that went from about the edge of this bench to the edge of the, the cinder blocks. And there were three of us in there. And... <laughs> and my other my, my two roommates were not very mature so I I felt a lot of times like I was kind of rolling my eyes and I lived most of that semester in the library I never wanted to go back there and I know we've all had those experiences maybe it's the actual location maybe it's someone or someones who are in it maybe it's a, it's a situation so when we come on retreat we need to look at well, what are the things that are making it hard for me to come home to myself that make this inner home feel inhospitable and there's going to be moments there's going to be hours there's going to be a, a days here that there'll probably be shorter windows just because we're going to move through a lot in a short period of time but there's going to be times where it's like yes I love being home I feel great I feel so connected this is blissful and there's going to be times where you just feel like you're crawling you want to crawl out of your skin like something just feels a certain emotion or a thought that's eating at you or storyline just you, you can't you can't settle into it it doesn't feel doesn't feel right so it's helpful if we are aware of those things before they happen so that when they happen we know that it's not that we did something wrong we know that it's not intrinsically us we know that it's not going to be here forever and in buddhism these are called if we, if we want to look at these kind of visitors to the home that are more uncomfortable, they're called the five hindrances. And the five hindrances are five things that arise in the human mind, sometimes all at once, sometimes a couple at a time, sometimes just one at a time. And I find that I can never again, remember the hindrances too much <laughs> that they're always active, they're ever present and there's always new facets to them for us to understand and get comfortable with. So the first of these to look out for is kind of unwelcome visitors in the home. We don't want to call them intruders because they're, they're going to be there. Like if you have mice, one house I lived in in Boulder had mice, which was just horrible, horrible, <laughs> so scary. I don't like rodents. Mm -hmm. Thailand, it was snakes. So I guess I'd rather have mice than snakes. The first one is craving. And maybe you've already felt that, like a craving for a certain food 
a certain person, a certain way that you like to do things in a day. So wanting what's not here. And craving is, it's physical. We feel it in our bodies. And addictions rise out of cravings. Addiction for stimulation. For a glass of wine or a piece of chocolate or a cigarette or sex or just intimate connection or online engagement. So we can be aware of this, this visitor of, of our craving. How, what are some ways to work with this, with the craving? One way is, to, is one of the questions we asked this morning to see well, what, it, what is the need here? I'm looking at the needs inventory sheet. So I'm craving chocolate or I'm craving to really talk to this person or have, you know, get some, maybe get them to contact me or I'm really craving a certain kind of food. Women, like food is a really big thing. Hold so much. See, what is the underlying need? Do I need connection? How can I get connection? If we're in a silent retreat, is there a way I can connect to myself? To hold myself, to hold different parts of myself, something we'll be doing more over the course of the week. Do I need physical touch, you know, to give a self-massage or book a massage? Another one is aversion, which is wanting something to go away, craving for something to not be, be as it is. So having aversion to any of the things that I just shared, having aversion to silence, having aversion to certain kind of food or maybe something that we're doing or the way that someone is being or a situation that we're in in life. And it's a rejection of reality. So what are some ways that we can work with aversion? One is asking a question or rather saying a statement to ourselves saying this moment is like this and it helps us snap us out of that that fog that somehow things could be otherwise it's like states to ourselves this moment is like this this moment is like this and somehow with that there's an inner alignment of okay yeah i'm here this is how it is how can i meet this moment as it is we can we can change it into a question to bring curiosity when we bring curiosity we bring online the neocortex 
that part of us which makes us humans, part of the brain that makes us humans, we can ask, how can I be with this moment as it is right now? And when we ask the question, there's going to be an answer. And then we're out of that more fight or flight part of the brain, which is just, let me get away from this. We get caught in that trance of how can I, how can I get away from this? That one is also very body-based. We feel aversion very viscerally. Sleepiness. Traditionally in Buddhism, it's called sloth and torpor. But we feel this also a lot on retreat, especially the first days of retreat when we've been moving really quickly and now we're slowing down and we're, our nervous system is starting to recalibrate and we can fall asleep in meditation. We can just feel more groggy when we wake up. We can feel like we need to take a long nap and that is all okay. That is all just part of the process. And it's important to factor that into our retreat time that really the first few days, we're just gonna catch up on rest. It's common to also get sick on retreat sometimes when your body can finally, your system can finally just lay down a lot of the holding on to get to power through, to get through. So some ways to work with this, one is to rest, right? But what happens when you're meditating and you're, you're doing this, this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, we do on the airplane. Mm-hmm. You're just leaning into your neighbor like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> we rest and we, if we're meditating, we start to breathe more deeply especially the inhale. And if it's really strong, we stand up. We just stand up and meditate. And we'll know that that's what's happening if anyone at any point feels like she needs to stand up. Okay. Another one is... uh, These next two are more mental Uh, doubt. One of my teachers says, doubt your doubt. So ways that we could think, well, maybe I really shouldn't have come here. Did I make the right decision? Maybe this practice isn't working for me. Maybe this isn't the right job for me. Maybe this isn't the right relationship for me. Those are good questions, but they can keep us out of the experience. It's like, yes, and this is what's happening. This is what's here. How are you going to work with it? 
And that brings us back to also beginner's mind, beginner's heart. There's a part of us, especially with spiritual practice, where we just need to give everything a try and let things run their course, see how they land in us. And then we decide. Then we decide, no, that doesn't work for me. Yes, I want to bring that home with me. Yes, I want more of that. So in retreat, it's important to suspend our doubt and make assessments at the end. At one point in my life, I was going on a retreat and it wasn't a silent retreat, but I had a really big decision to make, a really big kind of life-changing decision. I was holding as my inner compass that The small decisions in life, those are the ones we need to make. Those are the ones where we we say, okay, what's my next right step? What should I do here? We take action on those small things. The bigger life decisions, they end up making themselves. Have you noticed? They end up making themselves ultimately. It just becomes just clear as day. So either something happens and it's like, all right, that decision's made guess I wasn't supposed to be in that job, guess I wasn't supposed to live in that house, guess I wasn't supposed to be in that relationship, it's it's done. Or it's just the writings on the wall and it's just the fat lady has sung, whatever metaphor you want to use. And it's like, okay, I can't ignore this anymore. Done. So I was going on this retreat. I had one of those big life decisions to make. I was reminding myself, I don't need to make the decision The decision will make itself for me. And my girlfriend was encouraging me saying, Sarah, you're going to be going all over the place. Like one day you're going to be leaning way in one direction. Later that day, way in another direction. She said, don't take action on any of it. Just let it all, just let yourself flow with the movements and to feel whatever you need to feel. That's the way you're going to process it. And then by the end of the retreat, just see where you are. And I knew, the wiser part of me knew that by the end of the retreat, I would have, the decision would be made. But she needed to remind me over the course of those days. I would call her and say like, hey, you know, I just, I just realized this. Like, do you think I should do that right now? And she's like, no, don't take any action. This is, remember what I said, this is part of those vicissitudes and just take it as information as part of your process. So that's going to be happening to all of us this week in our own way. Maybe we have a big decision to make, maybe not, maybe it's just smaller things that we're chewing on, but not to just follow that whim of like, oh, I'm going to go do this or, oh, I'm going to go do that or the ideas that come up. Just let, let it all arise, write, write down notes and inspiration, but don't take action on anything. This is not a week of action. It's a week of just listening and self-study and letting things sift and settle. So don't, you know, doubt your doubt, doubt your doubt. And when it's arising, name it. Oh, 
This is doubt. So that way you don't get hooked in and go down that rabbit hole and find yourself taking action in some direction that's actually not aligned with your original intention for being here. It's not aligned with your deepest inner wisdom. And the last one, which is probably the one that makes it mo makes our inner home most inhospitable is restlessness. And restlessness is really can influence all the other ones, I think, except for, for sleepiness. They're kind of, those are kind of opposites. But restlessness is really the hindrance of our time. It's not being able to sit still, not being able to sit with ourselves, not being able to feel our feelings and needing a fix, needing, needing something to escape because we just can't stay with it. And worry and planning are part of the restlessness, part of the just, I can't stay in this moment, so I need to ruminate over the future. And that's not, you know, planning is a beautiful thing, but there's a time and a space for it. You know, there's a planning session, strategy session for your work or a life visioning session or a daily, you know, planning your day or planning your week, but that's not what we're doing here. So there's a way we need to tell that part of ourselves, hey, this retreat isn't about planning the rest of my life. It's about being present. So when we notice that, we can say to ourselves inwardly, oh, Rest, restlessness and planning and now I'm back so as we're visiting our inner house just notice you know you're not letting other visitors in other than just your sense perceptions so we're not having conversations we're not reading books we're not watching movies we're not getting all this input so the input is really rising from within. There's a, there's a metabolization that's happening from within. And there's a, a rebalancing, a harmonizing of our inner elements in that. You know, we could go through a whole study of like, how are the elements related to each of these five hindrances? What's more watery? What's more fiery? What's more airy? What's more earthy? Certainly sleepiness is more earthy. Restlessness is more airy and fiery craving is more fiery doubt is more watery but there's a there's a intelligence to these hindrances as well so we can trust ourselves we can trust our process we can know that even if our home feels unwelcoming, feels uncomfortable, that is still our home. Just like in our relationships in life, there, there, there's challenges in the home and there's challenges in relationship. It doesn't mean that it's bad. 
It's actually strengthening the home. It's strengthening the foundation if it's worked with in the right way. Beyond these types of she talks, do you know what else we like to do on retreat? Because this was a talk that I offered on the first day of a she retreat at Kripalu this past fall. What we bring to retreat are elegant practices to integrate body, mind, heart, and she, or your inner feminine wisdom, your feminine soul. To do that, I offer experiential teachings, like fluidly integrating journal reflections, guided visualizations, energy practices, and yoga. Because let's be honest, most of us do yoga on Tuesday nights, journaling in the morning, emotional work at different times in the best case scenario. But to feel like whole vibrant women, we need whole vibrant practices that we do regularly. So in the She School, I teach practices in mini retreats that weave together all of these things, wisdom talks, guided meditations, women's circle practices, yoga, and other simple tools into an elegant whole. It's not just a time saver. It's a powerful practice path to help you feel integrated, peaceful, and empowered in your inner home as often as possible. So if you'd love to weave this feminine practice path into your daily life in the year ahead in an ongoing supported way, I invite you to explore the She School 2017, open for early registration for a few more days. With that, you'll join a global sisterhood. We've had over 1,500 women graduate from our programs and make this your year to come home to yourself. So you can learn all about the program at theshe-school.com and join us there for this life-changing journey. All right, dear ones, it is time for us to say farewell for now. I hope these bubble bath wisdom episodes have enriched your life and soothed your soul in some way. And if you have enjoyed them, I'd be so grateful if you could write a review for this podcast on iTunes. That's the best way I know of for you to support me in continuing this podcast and in the women who need it to find it. I'll be back again just after the new year with part two of this bubble bath wisdom series. Until then, I'm sending you my heartfelt support and wishing you a beautiful, blessed holiday season. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.